On this special episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with one of the inspirations for our podcast, Dave from the Dopey Podcast, about addiction, recovery, narcissism, and grief. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and this is a special episode we're doing. And with me today, I have Dave Mannheim from the Dopey Podcast. Thank you for being here with us today. It is my pleasure, Brandon. And finally, we're actually speaking and seeing each other after all these years of communicating. So for what everyone doesn't understand or no one really knows is I've mentioned your show many times in the history of my show and uh, I wanted you on our show because your show is uh, called uh, Dopey. It's about drugs, addiction and and dumb shit. And you started off with uh, Chris, who's uh, no longer with us. And We'll get into that in, in, in one second, but, you know, when I started this show and I, at first the show was a humor show and then it morphed into what it was and it became the show about domestic violence. I looked at your show because I was listening to your show because my friend Melissa, who's on our first episode, goes, you have to listen to Dopey. And... Uh, Melissa and I were uh, addicted to uh, drugs, and we technically didn't really go to any AA or, or anything like that, or GA or NA, and we had our own phone calls once a week, uh, and we would like have our, our weekly phone call, and, and, and we'd help help each other get off everything. So when she turned me on to listening to your show... And I was getting my show going. Um, number one, it helped me a lot. But two, um, I was like, here are these two guys. They don't really have a dollar to their name, it seems. And you are in your dad's apartment. And you are broadcasting to the world, not realizing what is about to happen. And that you're going to touch so many people's lives and you were such an inspiration to me because when I started you I think we're two years into everything maybe two and a half years and I was like like if if they could do it and start with zero then I can too and you guys gave me confidence you made me laugh with you along the way and it was such a beautiful experience experiencing you two together, which is really like, it's a a relationship. Everyone has to listen to your show to understand your relationship. And it was just, I always like to say that it was, um, in a way you were like, uh, Chris was a foil for you in a way and you guys would play off of each other. And it was just amazing. I loved it when you ate on, when you just kept on eating. Uh, it was, I love, I love it. You're like, you were the only person that liked that. I I loved it. it. I loved it because I knew that you, you, like he'd get on your case about it. 
Um, so I also just want to say to everyone, you know, because of you being this inspiration and you're helping so many people because you became a community, the thing about your show that you might not even realize is that it helped me create a community. And in this indirect way, all, there's all these people in the domestic violence space who are helping each other and um, getting out of these relationships. And in part, you have to take bits of credit here because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't like sometimes you, ha- you hit these points of like, can I go further? Can I strive for more? Um, and, and watching you do it was just a huge inspiration. It was your show and it was beautiful anonymous with uh, Chris Gethard, which were like two big influences for me. So I just want to thank you for that. And everyone who's listening, I want you to appreciate uh, Dave. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so I guess, g- g- I guess give people a little bit of a background about your show. Um, and then I guess how, it, you know, the infancy of how it got started and, um, I'll kind of just kind of chime in. And one last question I have: What was the first piece of you the- haven't had? This is the first question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is the uh, what was the, your first piece of equipment that you used in the apartment? I've always been dying to know. What were your mics and what was your setup? Oh, I mean, the, the first setup was literally the computer. The mic was the on was the mic on the computer. That was it. We we recorded it like. It was, we did it like that for a reason, which was, I believed if we bought gear, we would never use it. I believed if we spent a dollar, we would, we would sabotage ourselves. And, um, and I had had an experience recording music at somebody's house and, uh, and I used the onboard computer on their, on their laptop and it worked fine. And I, and, and, and me and Chris were not likely suspects to have a podcast that would last. We were, gonna do an episode and then be done with it and i just said to him we're not buying gear until we need to because we're gonna i mean i didn't say it's gonna sabotage us i just knew that it would and and the first time we bought gear he got he was frustrated uh that the sound wasn't good which is funny to me and uh and he went out and he bought a yeti blue mic that had four audio settings like one was like the the mono directional one was bi-directional and one was like 360 degree directional i don't know what that man means and i i don't even know if any of the settings made a difference and 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 i don't know if the podcast really sounded much better when we started using that um the biggest turn in gear was when dr drew came on and i refused to go record with dr drew with one mic it was just that was I couldn't do it, so I went out and I bought a shitty USB board and four sure SM48s because I didn't want to spend money on the SM58s. And now I use really expensive equipment. So, um, first of all, thank you though. That was the most excited and touching tribute to Dopey I've ever heard. So I want to say thank you um, very much. Secondly, I want to know what's beautiful anonymous. Right? Where do I have to go oh, hunt this be- guy down? No, beautiful and, and anonymous. Beautiful anonymous. My cousin's uh, partner uh, turned me on to beautiful anonymous. It's with Chris uh, Gethard, and Chris Gethard is a comedian. He's an actor in some 
Uh, he has a Chris Gethard show, but I saw him originally on uh, Broad City. I've seen his one-man uh, show on Off-Broadway uh, when I was in New York the last time I was in New York because I missed DopeyCon because everyone, DopeyCon was it was uh, your first convention. And my friend, who I will call uh, Gracie, that's not her real name, but I'll use her name as Gracie because Gracie was once in uh, – recovery so i just won't say what what it was but anyway we were on the, the the platform uh to take the bus to new york to go to dopeycon and i thought i was on the right platform and i was like this is the right platform and we missed our bus and we missed dopeycon <laughs> but i did get an email from the person who was the airbnb saying hey you can stay at an airbnb with me again even though you fully paid for it but i don't know if he'll um really keep that promise now Two years after the pandemic. Uh, well, which, DopeyCon, we put out tickets today for DopeyCon. DopeyCon, DopeyCon 2020 to 2022. They came out today. So it's cool that you mentioned that. Um, like, I don't know. I, I, we, we wanted, I think our beginnings was strictly, I made a web series. I, were, I, I was a waiter at a very famous deli in New York called Katz's Deli, where they shot When Harry Met Sally. It's the oldest deli in the world. Please. It, yes. it, it, it's the, uh, I go there every single time. It is the best pastrami you'll ever have. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and I, I had been a TV producer in my past life. Uh, and I all I ever wanted to do was to have a talk show. That was my only real dream. Uh, I want, I, then I had like highfalutin dreams of like making cool TV shows that was never going to happen or being in a band. And, and that happened. But we always sucked. But I, my my deep dream as a as a teenager was to have a talk show, and I was a terrible drug addict for years and years. And I, I had a little music show, and I was such a bad heroin addict that I lost that show. And then I was kind of just on drugs. You know, I was like an asteroid spinning in space for many years, and I got sober. Well, I was still smoking weed when we we did a, a web series called The Last Jewish Waiter at Katz's. Uh, and the concept was I was a waiter who hated waiting tables, but I wanted to have a talk show. So I had a talk show while I waited tables. And it got a bit of attention. And, uh, and Chris was a guy I met in rehab at a place called Mountainside. And he was uh, just a character. And he loved that the last Jewish waiter was getting attention. And he was like, well, what can I do with you to get attention? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, I have no idea because he didn't strike me as somebody who would be on a show. Um, even though he was amazing on Dopey and he was, he was actually this really talented writer too. And a really funny storyteller. It just didn't, didn't occur to me. And then I, I remembered I had another friend, who in the middle of my using was like, we should do a podcast about drug stories. And somehow it popped in my head, like the week that Chris said, I want to do something creative. He had said, I want to do something creative while I was smoking weed. And then what really happened was I got sober, like, and I was counting days. And one of the only people that I could talk to was Chris because he had lost so many years over and over again he would get a year he'd relapse he'd get two years he'd relapse he'd get six months he'd relapse he he, he had been in treatment 16 times and uh and i you know i only got sober because i got into 12-step meetings and i only stuck with 12-step meetings because 
I called up Chris and I wanted to hear how he did it. And it was, and I made him crazy because all I would talk about was how to get my family back and it drove him nuts. And he wanted to talk about something else. And I was like, you know, and the other thing is I knew that to stay sober, you had to have fun. And and I had to be, I I had to get distracted. I had to do something. And, And I was like, well, why don't we try to do that, that podcast idea? And he's like, well, what's a podcast? And I didn't know. I was like, I don't know. I was like, I think it's like a radio show. And he was like, okay. And he's like, well, what do I do? And I was like, well, come, come to my apartment. And, and, and I, I know what to do. Like for whatever reason, I was very confident on what to do once he got there. And it was because I had listened to the Howard Stern show for 20 years every day for five hours at a time. And I was like, we're just going to do what they do. And we're going to tell drug stories. And that was basically how it all started. And you bring up Howard Stern because I got when I'm, you were more excited than me probably, but I love Artie. And when you got Artie on, like I still watch Artie clips, usually Artie talking about Norm MacDonald clips right. uh, on YouTube every day, every other day. Uh, so you started getting... Uh, him, you got Mark Marin early on and you mentioned, uh, Dr. Drew and then there's Bob Forrest as well. And for me, as with my friend, Melissa, who turned me on to you, I started to watch Dr. Drew and I was like, Dr. Drew's not the guy from that TV show. Dr. Drew knows what he's talking about. Like, cause you think of him in, in. Like he's just trying to use TV to get whatever, but Dr. Drew knows what he's doing. And then Bob Forrest was someone who popped up on the Dr. Drew show. He didn't really speak that much on the sober living or whatever show that was, but you couldn't take your eyes off of him because he just had something about him. And I think it was like 2011, it came out, but 2012, I think I saw the documentary, which was Bob and the monster. Yeah. And I remember when I saw the preview for that, I was like, I have to see this documentary because it was a great music. I think it was John Frusciante's like guitar riff that overplays everything. And you're like, just a great trailer. And he says something in it. The value is what you went through is only worth something if you share it with people going through the exact same thing. And that always stuck with me from that day. I didn't know how I was going to use that line in my life but eventually you know i was like you know i came from like dysfunction so now i get to talk to people that are going through the dysfunction of some sort and you were able to take what you did and or what happened with your life and turn it around and you created this community and you know as far as something like service work goes and did you start thinking like this is service work and like what service work really means to um you because at the beginning of the show you know you got a a lot of people being like hey you guys are glorifying what's going on i didn't look at it as like at, at that i was like first of all chris chris can tell a story he sets a scene um you both can tell great stories and, but like you're, th- we're there for each other. You know, you were there for other people in their time of need. 
when you find people that are good at telling stories, it, it, you you find solace and camaraderie in in that group. And you then kind of took this, and I don't know if you were gun shy at the beginning of saying this is a you know this is going to be about recovery, but now you know it fully is what it is. So when you talk about like service work as a whole, um, and let's say gaining your confidence back and the programs that you're in, you know, as far as like, I'm going to go off on a million different tangents today, but, uh, uh, but like when it comes to like confidence, how did this show and like doing service work bring you back from where you were? Like, did you have a loss of confidence in who you were at a certain point? Um, yeah, I, I think I did. I think, uh, you know, there's a great expression around recovery and addiction, which is uh, the addict as the egomaniac with the inferiority complex, or what Chris would always say was the piece of shit in the center of the universe. And a lot of us had that. And I definitely had that. I remember, like, I I thought, I always thought I was the smartest person I ever met. But I also knew that I was a total idiot. I also knew that I I was so convinced that I could do anything, but at the same time, I couldn't do anything. So it's like all of these kind of paradoxes at the same time. And when we started doing Dopey, it was the first episode that Chris, Chris told the story about assaulting a veterinarian clinic assistant, you know, and he got arrested and, uh, and we laughed and laughed and laughed. And I think that was the whole, story like there wasn't i don't think i don't remember there being a lot of other drugs or no maybe it was this he told the story about the first time he shot heroin but we laughed a lot in the episode and at the end i said wait a second people don't even know that we're sober and like and i also said it doesn't matter because i don't want this show to be about recovery i want this show to be about addiction um but people should know that we're sober just to know it, you know what I mean? And, 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 and that kind of tainted all of the early dopies. And I was very like, you know, I was full of machismo and junkie bravado. And I was like, if this show is about recovery, then I don't want to do it. But it was really more, I didn't want to try to create some fake, uh, spiritual show or like bullshit. I know one word that we said a lot was we didn't want to be Pollyanna ish around, recovery we didn't want to create a fairy tale we we but chris was a genius and he was like he was like dude if we were trying to make a show that helped anybody nobody would get any help and it wouldn't be entertaining but if we make a show that's entertaining maybe somebody's going to get help and he and he also was created the phrase that we were doing the rope a dope it's we bring them in with debauchery and they stay for the recovery and uh and that got us through for a long time. And then audience members started dying and friends started dying. First, uh, an audience member died. And then there was this guy, his name was David Marshall. He, uh, Chris had been friends with him for many years. He, uh, he put together our Facebook page, the dopey Facebook page. He was, uh, he owned a gym in uh rural Connecticut. He was like the most handsome man you could have ever seen. Like he was rugged and in crazy shape and just very handsome. And uh 
fucking he loved dopey and and i remember chris brought him down to to be to my my apartment to and he and they slept over and they went out to see comedy that night and i was like and i was so tired and i never went out i was like i'm not going out and they were like i bet you we run into artie lang and uh and we recorded a show and me it was was a big deal because me and chris got into this huge fight and it was dave marshall's episode and Chris erased it by mistake. So no one ever, ever heard it. Uh-huh. Um, and they went out and they saw Artie Lent. And they took a picture. Chris took a picture with Artie. And he sent it to me. And then, and, and I became friends with Dave too. And he owned a gym in Connecticut. He would play dopey in the gym. And he turned up dead. You know, he, he turned up dead from uh, overdose and a relapse. And it was the first person that I had ever been friends with. Um that and I had used drugs for so long, and none of my friends had ever died. I guess I didn't hang out with a lot of people that were doing heroin, but I didn't even know anybody that overdosed until Dave Marshall. And I, I remember I was sitting in my partner's apartment, and 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 Chris texted me. It was on the computer. The text came in that Dave Marshall died. I was like, it really it hurt me. It affected me, and it and it made me start to look at the show a little bit differently. And then we had an intern, this kid named Andrew and Andrew was like he wanted to be a hobo and he was like this hippie rich kid from Connecticut and he was like hitchhiking and working on marijuana farms and this and that he was interesting and he loved dopey and he would write us all the time he would send in voicemails all the time and his dad lived in New York and I met him one morning and we had coffee and he was like I'm going to be the dopey intern I want to work on the show and I was like great and the next day, his mother called me and he had turned up dead within 24 hours of meeting. And and then that year, a few other listeners died. And then the next year, uh, my best friend, Todd, overdosed. Uh, and he had been on the show many times. So, like, as all that happened, my ability to do Dopey as it was when we started changed. And I was comfortable with that because I, I wasn't trying to make a different show. I just couldn't do it the same way. And the show wasn't to be about recovery. It was more like to have a proper talk show that functioned through the lens of addiction and recovery. So people could listen and hear how somebody who had been like them got to the other place with being as non Pollyanna-ish and cheesy as possible. And then right after Todd died, Chris died, you know, and so, and then at that point when Todd died, I was fucked up, you know, and, and Chris was using. So not only was I fucked up and Chris was using, Chris still was trying to be like the junkie bravado on the show. And I was so devastated about Todd being dead that I struggled with it. And, and I think they, it was five weeks between their deaths and, and, and then Chris died. And I kind of like the show changed a lot. And, and it was more about recovery, but I always was trying to get people to hit us with the dopey just because that's what the show was supposed to be. So it was a lot, right? And uh, you mentioned Todd. And when you listen to all of the episodes, when cause you start off at the beginning and you hear Todd for the first time, he's such a, an infectious yeah. personality. And with Chris dying so soon after, 
were you able to grieve while you, you have to, you're continuing to do the show? You're trying to, I guess, go through that grieving process. And then you, when you get people who are critical of the show in certain ways, because at that point you have to, you have to change at that point a little, you know, you know your, your, your friends are gone who were like, you started everything with, who were there from the, the start. Like, where did you go through that process of like the, I have to grieve. I still am doing the show. And how do I figure out where the show goes from here? It was very painful uh, and, and very scary. And, and just even talking about it right now, like even you mentioning it, I get that a lump in my chest or my heart or my throat or wherever it is. Um, I didn't want to stop making the show. I made the show because I wanted Dopey to be like the best podcast that there was. Like, like every time we would get more listeners, I would be like, this is great. What <laughs> I had, I, first of all, uh, uh, you, well, you can't see because my screen's blurred, but these are my notes. A- and uh, on my notes, I had written down here in one spot, ask him if he still clicks on refresh for his downloads every second of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, but I, I mean, I do sometimes, you know, and I think Chris was doing that more than I was, to be fair. He was like, he claimed he didn't care, but he was crazy with that shit. He also lived for my insanity because my insanity made him feel much more sane, you know? But if I ever acted, like what I would do, it's like with the downloads, like we would, we would watch, and Chris was nuts with it because he would have all of his friends leave reviews. He would tell everybody he knew about the show and I wouldn't tell anybody about the show. And, um, and we would talk about like the limitless load of downloads that were out there and how could we reach it. And we were both, we were just such fucking addicts. And, and like, it, it just kind of translated to wanting dopey to be big and being obsessed with dopey. And whenever it was bad, I would text him downloads are in the toilet. That's what I would text him <laughs> every time. And then I think I started just sending him a toilet emoji. Um, because like, and then he would be like, it's whatevs. He'd write me back. It's whatevs, you know? And then I, and I would get really upset. But if, if I didn't get upset, like, and I tried this just as a sort of exercise where the downloads would be bad and I didn't say anything, he would come to me and he'd be like, what are we going to do? He's like, I keep refreshing. We're not getting any, you know? Um, but you know, like when Todd died, it, when Todd died, right. I had just bought, we had bought our first house and, and we had just had our second kid. Our, our second daughter was born on May 15th and Todd died, I think June 13th or something. And then Chris died on July 24th. So like, it was a really crazy time. I was still waiting tables at Katz's. I was commuting every day. Uh, it's a, like a two hour commute. I, I was, I was living in a, suburban house with the garden shit trying trying to keep my head on straight and i was i was so upset and scared and um you know my wife with my partner whatever she was like she was like you can stop making the show like she wanted me to stop making the show because i i was i was so obsessed with dopey and like maybe if i stopped making the show i'd pay more attention to our family and like the things i was supposed to be doing and i was like i'm not gonna stop making the show i was like the only way i stop making the show is if it sucks 
like I can't do it uh, or uh, or it's not fun. And, you know, at first it was definitely not fun, but I, I accepted that it wouldn't be fun at first. And, uh, and it sucked at first too, like for a while it's, it's, what, what do you mean by that? In the sense of, you know, it went to really a, a lot of interview style and you were kind of like trying to find your feet as an interviewer per se, or were you comfortable that was- with that? That was part of it. You know, like when I I had mentioned I had a TV show when I was younger, I had a music TV show. And like you mentioned like that I have to be prepared for these interviews. But when I was a kid, I would interview like famous people totally unprepared and totally hot. And, and I really wanted Dopey to be a chance to change that and like to maybe do good interviews. And be be researched, you know. I wanted to and see if I could do a good interview, you know, because I had never really done any good ones. Like if I I go, I go back and I watch the episodes of the old show that I did in my early twenties, the interviews, like I, the, I'm saying things that aren't true, you know, because I don't know anything. Um, and so, like when Chris died, it was like my agenda was the thing with Chris was the show was always fun. You know, period. It was fun. It was funny. It was stupid often, but I liked that. Um, and then after he died, it's like, if it was an interview, well, where was it going to be fun? And where was it going to be funny? And where was it going to be stupid? And how are we going to let the spirit of the show live in the show if I'm doing interviews with people I don't know that I can't get stupid with or funny or fun? So I tried, you know, I just tried the show got much longer because I needed a section that was fun and funny and stupid and an interview. I knew that nobody that I had, and I know that your, your audience is like, well, I don't know what the hell is he talking about, but I'm telling you <laughs> because you're asking me. Um, I, but I, this is, you know, the answer to the question, you know, like, and, and, and most importantly, I, um, I had a friend who a different friend from a rehab much, much earlier who was a TV producer. And I was like, will you help me make the show? And his name was Sam. And he was like, yes, I'll help you make the show. He had just gotten sober and it was like helpful to his sobriety to help me make the show. And it was fun for him. So like, basically it was like, how do we keep the fun, the funny and the stupid, and then add an interview? Because I thought we needed to, I thought to get to the next place with Dopey, we needed to have, interviews so like that was basically the process and the grieving i mean i remember i would cry on the long island railroad often like like little things would trigger me and and also just like there was also a lot of like people in those early days it was really weird like after chris died there was a lot of like people just getting upset at me because i wasn't him you know and it was pretty mean really i was i was was surprised but then it's like it also kind of clicked in with me that those people were probably on drugs, you know, because our audience was mostly on drugs. Those people were crazy on drugs, you know, what are you going to say? So sometimes addicts aren't the best people. Especially active ones, you know. And I remember I never admitted this to you, but early on oh, pre-pandemic, I paid you like 50 bucks to put an ad on your show. Yeah, it was great. And I got one review 
from someone who listened. And the review was, I heard this being uh, this ad on the Dopey podcast. This isn't a podcast. You don't know what podcasting is. I'm not even an addict. And I listen to the Dopey podcast because you don't have to be an addict to listen to it. It's just a good show. What you do is in a podcast. And I'm summarizing that and I'm making it longer than it actually, <laughs> actually is. But that was the gist of it. And I just remember I sat there and you got back to me. He goes, how did it go? And I was like, it was great. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I pay 50 bucks and I got a bad review. And I was like, and then I was like, screw, screw. That's our audience. That's, <laughs> That's our fucking audience. audience. I have a friend, I have a friend who's a writer and he came on the show and like the audience is sometimes really brutal. Like I, I remember like I had a nightmare once I was going to South by Southwest. I was still using and I didn't have heroin and I, and I bought some methadone for the trip to South by Southwest and, and it turned out the methadone was fake and, and I was on the train and I was going in withdrawal and I had this nightmare that I was in my high school and in the science rooms, there were giant terrariums full of spiders, like giant spiders. And someone left the cover off. So the spiders had gotten out of the terrarium. And that's how I was always feeling about the dopey nation from time to time, that eventually the spiders in my terrarium would come and kill me. You know what I mean? And turn on me. And, and, and they, I love the dopey nation. And if, if any dopey nation listeners are listening right now, I love you guys. Please don't come and kill me in my sleep. Uh, <laughs> But they can be rough, you know, and, and I like that as long as they don't come against me. And, and But when Chris died, a lot of them did. And I still get, like, weird reviews. Like, I like the most loyal Dopey Nation member ever who we would, like, read all of his shit on the show. He leaves me one-star reviews now and tells the audience to listen to a different podcast in the reviews. He's, in, he's also in one of the Dopey theme songs. He's immortalized, and still he had the audacity to give me the one star review. So, <laughs> so it happens, you know. It happens. So, you know, I'm going to get back to oh, what do I have here on my notes? Doing the work. I like your notes. You like I, my notes? How it, I it's it. the messiest thing. Uh, first of all, shout out to uh, Amy Dressner. Um, yes. I bought Dopey her. I, I I bought her book. Um, uh, after listening to her episode on the show, it was a great book. It was either the audio she did it herself. Um, I want to bring up one one thing because I brought up earlier. I'm all over the place, but um, when you're redoing or you were kind of getting newer interviews, you had one with Margaret Cho, and yes. <laughs> so I remember where I was. I was on a streetcar, and. You know, you're going along your interview, and I could tell that she doesn't get your humor. No, at no, all. She didn't. And, and no. She, she didn't get your humor at all. And there was this silence, and I was laughing so <laughs> hard, even though that like some people might be like, this was not the greatest interview. There's such a humor in it of someone not understanding the humor, especially when it's a comedian on the other side. I found that to be like kind of the case with every comedian that ever came on Dopey. Like it made me not know if I'm funny or not. Cause comedians don't think I'm funny. Like they just don't think the things that I do are funny at all. Are you still there? You hear oh, me? I'm here. I'm like, here. Like, like fucking Margaret Cho. 
you know, she had a good, she had a couple of good dopey stories, but there was no connection between us. Mm-hmm. Like she was like, I got to get off the phone. You know what I mean? You got that feeling. <laughs> I just got to get off the phone with this guy. Uh, Rich Voss. Rich Voss is like a New York City comedy legend. His fucking episode was so bad. I didn't put it up. <laughs> Terrible. Modi, but Modi was classic because Chris was alive. And Modi, Modi roasted me. He was funny. Uh, Jay Moore was good. Uh, there was another one that was just Artie. Like I felt like Artie didn't think I was funny. Well, this is you know? thing, Artie is an exception because I don't think Artie probably thinks most people who aren't comedians are funny. He's standoffish in that way. Right. Right. He he can't he can't uh, handle it really. Like Artie, like I think Artie has a great fear of people. You know, like he has a great, and he has an even greater fear of people being too close to him. Well, with him, when he came on, he came on, but like, he wasn't happy to be there to begin with. (laughs) You know what I mean? He, well, with Artie, God bless him. I I literally stalked him Mm -hmm. for two and a half years. Like I went where he went. I turned up where he turned up. I texted him. I I, I like would not leave this man alone for almost three years. And, and I think he realized or he had hoped that if he actually did the show, I would leave him alone, you know, and, and I didn't, you know, um, and, and, and I think he, but I, he listened to Dopey Artie and he liked it, but he didn't participate in it in that sort of way. For some reason, I don't, I mean, I had I recently had this young woman on the show named Chloe LeBranch, who's a comedian, and she's really funny. I don't think she thinks I'm funny either. I think I'm very funny, and the audience thinks I'm funny. But comedians have never particularly appreciated my comedy for some reason. I don't know why. Well, to me, you are, you know, you you aim to be like influenced by Howard Stern, and to me, that's what you are. And, you know, you're getting members of a whack pack, your own kind of whack pack together. Yes. And I think that it's, you know, the evolution of everything. And with um, I, I, um, with a guest that didn't want to be there, not didn't want to be there, didn't understand why he was there to begin with was uh, Christoph- sorry, was uh, Michael Imperioli. And yeah, yeah. who's Christopher from The Sopranos? Because I wanted to get yeah. onto, I wanted to segue into The Sopranos for a second. Yeah. Um, but so you got to do a scene with him, which was fantastic. Fantastic. And for everyone um, out there, when you were really high on heroin, uh, you loved watching the The Sopranos. And sober, and and in between, I loved watching it no matter what, rain and, or shine. And also, uh, you know, Tony Sirico, uh died recently. Um, yes, and it's a show. You know, I'm connecting it here to ours because we do a lot about you know the narcissist apocalypse. So we're talking about the Sopranos and narcissism. Um, who is your favorite narcissist from, from that show? Tell us everything about that. Is is it James Gandolfini or is it the mom? Oh, it's definitely James Gandolfini. You know, like, and the fuck, the most fucked up thing is the thing that stopped me from watching The Sopranos was when Michael Imperioli came on Dopey. Like, I couldn't watch it after that because he's because he's completely different than he is on the show. 
because he kind of did me dirty on Dopey. You know what I mean? Like it was like it was like because I'm such a narcissist, right? And <laughs> my narcissism made me stop watching The Sopranos after because like you know you kind of when when I do a podcast, I try to connect really hard with the guest, and then I want that connection to rewrite my life. Like I want to be friends with the person or be friendly or feel like whatever just happened was real. You know what I mean? Like there was something, it wasn't just a show. It was real. And, and like Michael Imperioli, like, let's just be clear about something. Like he was, he was good on the show. He, he, he just didn't want to talk about his own experiences with drugs. I don't think he really knew what Dopey was about. He had written a novel called The Perfume Burned His Eyes, which was a novel about a kid growing up in Manhattan that lived in the same building as Lou Reed. And that was how I got him to come on the show because I, I was going to talk about Lou Reed, you know, and, 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 then, and also just me being a fan of Michael Imperioli. And in the back of my mind, all I wanted to do was re- there's a scene in The Sopranos. Uh, if you're a big Sopranos fan, you know the scene I'm talking about where Christopher uh, is sober and he, he he's trying, he's paying off this hitman for killing Rusty Minio and he doesn't have enough cash and the hitman is a junkie. So he gives the junkie some heroin and Chris, and then the, the junkie is like, do you mind if I shoot up in the car? And Christopher's like, go for it. And then Christopher relapses. And I always wanted to reenact that scene on Dopey. And I don't know why I didn't try to reenact that scene with Chris, because that would have been really funny. I didn't think of that. What I tried to do was I tried to get the guy who played the junkie hitman to come on Dopey and reenact the scene. And that guy was like, no way, I'm not doing it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And when Michael Imperioli agreed to come on Dopey, I didn't mention the scene, but I had printed out the script and I, I had it in the other room. And, and, and like, we had a really nice conversation about art and, and movies. And, he, and and also the funny thing was he didn't know anything about The Sopranos. I was asking him all these questions about the, and, and also I had him on. I had the kid who played AJ on twice. I had Modi who was on The Sopranos and I had somebody else who was on The Sopranos too. Cause I was fucking obsessed. Me and Chris had an episode just about The Sopranos and, 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 just talking about it because because I loved it so much and I was so obsessed with it. So when Michael Imperioli came on, he wouldn't talk. And then I also had his ex-girlfriend on right afterwards. And she was like, oh, I'm surprised he didn't talk about drugs and this and that. And it was like, there was a story there that I never got to. But when I pull out the script, you know, he was like, I'm not fucking doing it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And I was like, I was like, listen, I was like, I was just trying to figure out how to make him do it. And I think he saw this look in my eye, like I was going to like kill myself or cry on the show or something. And I was like, listen, I'll play Christopher. You can play the junkie. And he's like, okay, then I'll do it. And uh, it was terrible. The reenactment was terrible, but it was hysterical that we did it. I was when I remember I was listening to it and I'm like he all all you had to do is flip the characters and he was okay with it but when he walked into like he was there and I was like he was he's nothing like Christopher and right 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 and right. it he's totally like throws the illusion out right. the door 
Right. What what did it what was also interesting to me was like he didn't care about the Sopranos. I remember I was asking him like I think I gave him a Sopranos trivia qu- quiz and he didn't know anything. And uh, and uh, and then shortly after that, Talking Sopranos came out, which is a podcast that he did with Steve Sharippa just about the Sopranos. So I was like, he must have had to really study up for, for, <laughs> for that one. Um, and then I asked him to come on uh, DopeyCon 2 or something. I think I asked him to do Dopey Day. I asked him to come on DopeyCon 2. Some shit. And he was like, sorry, pal. You know, some some response like that. So I can get resentful, but the truth is it was it was very generous. He came to my dad's house. You know, he reenacted the Sopranos scene at the kitchen table where I probably sat there high watching the Sopranos a million times. So it was all in all, I, I'm great and ridiculously grateful that I got to do that. So you mentioned your narcissism in there. And as far as addiction goes, and um addiction goes in being a good person and then being an addict that does certain things. How do you, how is that uh, within that community when you're talking about like partners and things like that, how is that communicated to people and how do you make amends in, in that way? Be more specific. Be more <laughs> specific. Please, please. Um, because because on on the show we've had we did an episode like ADHD versus narcissism you know people who are on the autism spectrum or you right. know, those things versus this how do you know someone is being what and like where do you where do you start the the line of okay this person has an addiction and then this person is just abusive and did you have a struggle between like am I a good person or am I a bad person I was just an addict. Mm, that's a great question, I think. And it's very, uh, the lines are very blurred because the, one of the things I've learned in, in my recovery is that addiction is very much an affliction of self-centeredness. You know, you're, you're so, I, I'm so self-centered and then, I, and I have crazy ADHD. So like I'm a self-centered addict with ADHD. Um, and, and I don't even know what narcissism is except self-centeredness, right? It, it's like where you don't care about anybody but yourself. So narcissism is, is self-centeredness. Addiction is self-centeredness run wild, self-centeredness plus substances, you know? So my self-centered thinking, I, I struggle with it every day. And some days are better than others. You know, I do not like being self, I, I like the comedy of self-centeredness. I don't like uh, the nastiness of it. I don't like uh, the the lack of empathy that that I can feel sometimes, or and that I don't even know that I'm feeling because I'm so self-centered and I just want to get back to whatever me, whatever I'm doing, like whatever it is. I it's it's like it's a struggle, and I try very hard to you know, practice these principles in all my affairs. Like I, I try harder and harder and harder and still I fall short on a, on a daily basis, you know? And, uh, when I was using, it was, it was, it wasn't close. You know what I mean? Like how I conducted myself when I was using, there was not a day or an hour that my life wasn't completely centered around staying high. 
So like, it was a different take on, on self-centeredness. It was self-centeredness with self-preservation built in. When you stop using it, self-centeredness for self-centeredness's sake, you know what I mean? Because there is no substance. It's just you. So like, and you get high on yourself and you get high on your shit. And like, when I am in those moments, like I do pay for it, you know, a hundred percent. So, you know, when it comes to now where you are now with the show, um, dope, DopeyCon, uh, coming up, getting through the pandemic, um, where are you kind of moving and do you kind of have like a path or like a, a framework of where you want the show to go? I, I just, I just want to, I want it to be everything I want it to be. I would still like it to be like the Howard Stern show with, with like a good time and then a great interview. And I, and really, I remember when, when I started it with Chris, uh, we would record four episodes at a time. You know, he would come down, we'd hang out for hours and we would record four episodes at a time. And I went to get my kid in Long Island and I was driving around and I was listening to Dopey and I was like, I was like, this is pretty good. Like that, that was my thought. And I was like, this is pretty funny. Uh, I could listen to this. And, and really my litmus test for something is, is it okay? If it's okay, then I, then it's good. If it's not okay, then it's, it can't use it. But if it's okay, if it's not horrible, if you're not listening to it, like, oh, that's so horrible, then it's okay. And like, I realized it and I called Chris, I think I listened to episode two or three or whatever. And I, I was like, it's like, what we're doing is we're keeping people company. And I like, just like Howard Stern kept me company. And I think it's working. And as long as it feels like that, I feel very, good about the show yeah there was this i i think in movies you're a music guy but quentin tarantino had this one quote in it he said he watches days and confused like at least once a year because it's like hanging out with old friends and that's what it is with you it's like every like you're everyone's friend and you know i think maybe if someone comes on who's never listened to the show before and kind of doesn't listen from the beginning, they don't understand the friendship. So it's right. it might be a different kind of connection um, because they've maybe, okay, I'm going to do research. I'm going to like listen to one episode before I come on the show. So I know what the show is about. Even if they do listen, who knows if someone does. So it's like, you know, you're, you're hanging out with your friends and that's what it is. It's like a community. And for people who are listening right now, if you're an addict who, or, or you are a relative of an addict, you know, listen to Dave's show. Start at the beginning and cat your, or I, what I would do is I'd listen to one new show or one old show and then you listen to the show that week and then you kind of fill in until you kind of get there. But the early shows were like, what, 30 minutes yeah. so that you can speed through uh, a lot of it. But uh, you, before we leave, you have DopeyCon 2022. Tell everyone what's going on. Well, are you going to come? I'm going to try and make it. Um, that, what month is it going to be? October? October 1st. And right now, it's only on sale for Dopey patrons. I think we, we put it on sale like two hours ago. And I think we sold like 30 tickets. And I'm very, I'm very excited. 
like, I don't know. I haven't even checked. I, I was on the phone for the last hour with somebody and I haven't checked ticket sales. Like, very excited. It's like, I feel this energy in the back of my head or something. I'm very, it's, it's going to be a live dopey episode. It's going to be a, a, a true dopey convention. It's going to be catered by Katz's. It's going to be, uh, I want it to be kind of like, like live with, with Jimmy Fallon or something where I'm at a desk and, and I have guests come out and I'm doing like dopey in person. Like I want it to be like that, but however it is, I know it. I, I know Brandon Novak is coming. I know Andy Roy is coming. Uh, Dr. Drew said he's probably going to be there. Uh, we'll see. You know what I mean? Like you never know what's going to happen. at dopey con. When's Yom Kippur? I don't know. I have to think about my schedule of when Yom Kippur would be. Plus, I, I put out two shows a week. So I remember even... Do you still put out two shows a week? I put out two shows a week. How long are they? Um, the Friday episode is usually about 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. And then... The Monday episode is anywhere between an hour and a half and two hours and 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So we do like three to four interviews a week and then the editing days. Well, then I do um, one for the Friday. So I have two editing days, the Monday editing day, uh, the Sunday, you know, sometimes it takes me like 15 hours to edit an episode. Um, Rough. <laughs> I have no idea how long it takes you, but we, I would like, we have sound issues. Some people aren't like, d don't have the proper equipment. You do things in person, correct? Well, when I can, you know, like often we don't, you know, often it's like, I, I mean, the, the thing that I became most comfortable with, uh, was before I had nice gear, I bought this thing called a Bose mini link. And it was like this big, it's like a speakerphone. And I would hold it up to the mic. I would hold my mic and I'd go back and forth with the speaker and I would do it like I was on the phone. Like it wasn't Zoom. Like this Zoom feels very natural. When I do Zoom with people, it doesn't feel this good. It feels like very stilted and like it's, it's like disconnected. So like I always did it on the phone because I couldn't handle how bad the Zoom was, you know? Um, so... Uh, I don't know what the fuck I was talking about. <laughs> I don't either. I'm sorry. Oh, don't worry about it. That's part of the show. So, um, I feel like I got to cut that out. Got to cut that out. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to cut anything. This is going to be just a special episode. So I didn't even think I said episode correctly there. I think I kind of slurred my word. But, um, you know, thank you. Thank you for, for doing this and, like, sharing with me. I've wanted to do this for a long time. And... You know, having you on is just part of like my journey of this show and everyone uh, who listens to this show. I just wanted everyone to get to know you. And um, I just want to thank you. And my friends, uh, Melissa and my friends, uh, Gracie, who were, you know, through like thick and thin, you know, for this, we listened to the show. And for my friend, Gracie, um, you know, you were such a huge part of her recovery, like huge part of her recovery. And when she was at rehab and I'm using a completely different name, just so everyone knows, um, 
that, really Margaret Cho. <laughs> you know, you were you were there for her, and you got her through so many things. And she has no idea that I'm recording this uh, with you right now, and she's just going to be like just uh, overjoyed. Um, well, it makes me it makes me overjoyed to hear that. That's even. It's like I hear things like that from time to time, and it always strikes me as an incredibly crazy thing that I don't like. I don't even comprehend it, you know. Often that that this show that Dopey does anything for anybody besides me, you know. And, and it's a good. Please tell Gracie, thank you, you know, thank you, Gracie. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, she's. I know wherever. Well, I know where she is, but um, she's. Honestly, you, you made her day. You helped her through just a, a low, and you got her out of it. So, anyway, Dave, thank you for being here. Thank you, and uh, everyone, uh, listen uh, to the Dopey Podcast. Write them a good review on Apple and wherever else you're subscribing. Uh, you can buy merch. You have you have fantastic merch, by the way. Always thank have. You. Um, even if you're not a fan of the podcast, it's just great merch. Great. Logo. I appreciate that. Thank you. And, uh, that is it everyone. So for myself and Dave from dopey, I'm, can I, I'm going to do the, I, I usually say, I hope we hope you have a good night, but I'm going to do and toodles from Chris. Yes. Fucking toodles for Chris. So thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. And if anyone from the Dopey Nation comes by to listen to this episode, I just want to say stay strong, Dopey Nation, too.